Hello, welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. My name is Christopher Baugh, partner at Analysis Mason and head of NSR. I am pleased to welcome you to the latest podcast entitled, Will SpaceX Continue to Dominate Satellite Manufacturing and Launch Markets? Our guest today on the podcast is Dallas Kazaboski. He is a principal analyst here at an NSR and Analysis Mason, and also our program head for our satellite infrastructure program. Welcome, Dallas. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> sure. So SpaceX um, is a household name for even for those who don't follow the space industry. This is a they're a massive juggernaut. <laughs> I think is the term um, we hear the, the saying all the time. They suck the wind out of the room with any space discussion just because they are such a large force in, in satellite manufacturing and launch markets. But the theme today we want to follow is will that dominance continue, and what kind of guidance. Um, should we be thinking of to non-SpaceX players in the market? So what does the future look like for the critical launch and manufacturing segments? So Dallas, I had some good questions for you today on this and some food for thought. But the first is maybe taking a step back diagnosis of why they've been so successful. Why has SpaceX been such a leader and successful in these two segments? And maybe we'll start with launch first. Yeah, thank you, Chris. So it's probably difficult for some people to remember a time when SpaceX wasn't everywhere and doing everything and dominating every conversation. Uh, but they started just as uh, most other launch service providers did, developing a vehicle, trying to uh, actually make it work, and also to convince, at the time, the U.S. government and other customers that they could be you know, a viable uh, service provider. They had challenges there, like everyone. So why they're so successful and what they're doing better than others is they took an aggressively, they took an, a, an aggressive, ambitious approach to developing their vehicle, right? They still do this. They talk about failing and learning quickly, innovating and learning quickly. Re reliability is one of the biggest challenges behind developing a launch vehicle. You need to develop something that works and customers are only interested once it works but you need money and support to get you to a point where your vehicle uh, is, is proven and reliable. So it's a bit of a chicken egg challenge. Most launch service providers have this problem. They want to raise funds. They want to get some customers signed up, but those fund, that funding and those customers only sign up when they see progress. So SpaceX essentially got around this by uh, leveraging you know, their own resources that they had and being very aggressive, innovating, and they were very risky. They, they, took a lot of risks. They, they tried and they failed with a lot of launches. And as soon as it started taking off and started working, they were able to get over that uh, technology readiness level that they needed, started signing up with customers, and essentially they've become very connected, especially with the U.S. government and the U.S. market. Um, and over time, that dominance has continued essentially by being supported by uh, by those anchor customers. So it's, it's, it's about being aggressive and getting over uh, and, and essentially putting a lot of wagering in, you know, not trying to make it sound casual or flippant, but they leaned in to all of the challenges that they had to overcome. They had some other resources that they were able to borrow from. And now they are essentially, they're almost an essential service if we look at certain aspects of the satellite and space industry. 
I, I think you, that's a great term, essential service, given the fact that there are so few options for launch. And even though there are hundreds of launch service providers, it's various phases of development. You know, very few have a reliability factor uh, of getting to space and, of course, nowhere near their record. So definitely a dominant position. Let's talk about manufacturing next. And they manufacture quite a number of spacecraft. You hear of Starlink and Starshield and others. But what, what about this position? And, and I imagine it's not maybe as mature as a launch in terms of market dominance, but where do they stand on the manufacturing side? Yeah, so the, the short version is that they are following a similar trend of this kind of aggressive move. Um, but the main difference is currently they are not as competitive in manufacturing only because they're mostly working to serve themselves through Starlink. I mean, they if we're looking at just pure numbers, they, they really push towards scale and standardization, economies of scale. They acquired Swarm Technologies. So they made a lot of efforts to building, uh, building fast, building a standard and uh, really pushing this constellation idea forward. But in a way, they're not exactly competitive with the manufacturing market because it's essentially a closed opportunity. Perhaps manufacturers in the past looked and said, oh, I wish I could have um, you know, been the ones responsible for building 4,000 satellites or something. But up until now, Starlink is uh, only competitive with itself in terms of manufacturing satellites. SpaceX is only focus on themselves. But it's the same thing. It's aggressive moves towards scale, standardization, and it's also about owning the entire process. That's a difference compared with some other manufacturers is they do everything in-house and that allows them a certain control of schedule and pricing and flexibility that others don't. Okay. So again, a very unique approach, but at scale and in critical in-house manufacturing facilities. But thinking about the rest of the market now, they, of course, we are certainly inspired by what SpaceX is doing, but the rest of the market has not stood idle in this process. So can you discuss, if you're not SpaceX, what are those companies doing maybe in competition with or as a reaction to what SpaceX has been able to achieve? Yeah. So in in launch, um, the established launch service providers, we're talking Ariane Spass, we're talking um, uh, JAXA's uh, H3 and, and things like this, ISRO. Um, the established launch players are began pushing into rideshare just as aggressively as SpaceX did. I mean, the Indian launch service providers were already doing kind of rideshare um, and SpaceX got into that business aggressively and others have followed suit. And we're seeing that with all of these new generation vehicles that are that are being developed, uh, that are delayed, Ariane 6 and H3 and GSLV, things like this. So the established players also pushing into uh, rideshare as well as heavy launch, which they have a heritage with. Emerging players are moving into the space also with an eye on rideshare, an eye on these numbers of satellites uh, focused on Constellation. So in launch, the other players are moving, but the problem is we've always had a launch bottleneck and it's even worse now because the emerging players are not ready and the established players, they're working on a next generation. So we have this gap where normally the established players would be competing with SpaceX. Instead, they're kind of delayed as they are waiting, you know, they're developing the next generation vehicle to launch. Great. And now, how about manufacturing as well? If you're a manufacturer, how have they countered the SpaceX force on that side, or have they? 
Yeah, scale, scale, volume, standardization, these are key. The, you know, there was a time when a constellation or the, or the word constellation was, you know, passed around in almost uh, with consideration. And now it's driving the conversation, right? OneWeb arguably maybe started this with, you know, their 700 satellites. But SpaceX is really pushing volume. You're seeing Amazon uh, coming into play. So manufacturers, most of them, even the established ones that only focus on large single geo missions, are looking at how can we reduce costs, increase scale, shorten timelines, um, and move into standard buses and standardization that can uh, compete in this way. So we're seeing a lot of that uh, from both primes and non-primes. Okay, thanks, Dallas. So let's go to the recommendations phase now. If you the the sort of advice um, advisory we'd give to companies competing with SpaceX, um, what can the industry, generally speaking, and you can segment it by launch and manufacturers, what can they do to counter this force and and ensure that there is market share and hopefully a growing market share for them? So let's maybe start with launch first. Yeah. So. First off, if you're a launch service provider, rest assured that there is demand and interest for launch outside of SpaceX. SpaceX is very dominant, but there's continued funding, government support, technology support for uh, a non-SpaceX solution. Just because we want reliability, we want uh, schedule redundancy, uh, there's a lot of other reasons. So if you're a launch service provider, the three main pillars to focus on, and we have a, a launch market strategy report that I'm taking this from that we just recently launched and developed. Reliability is number one. As I mentioned, customers will not really support you until they believe in you and they will believe in you until you have some technology to, to develop and show off. Um, so work on establishing that reliability or uh, moving that technology forward. But outside of that, you also have um, the supportive ecosystem. It's not all about the technology and it's not always purely about your specific launch service. There are other services involved, launch integration services, key partnerships that you could make, even things like making it making it easier to transport your satellites around the world, clear customs, uh, have a better launch schedule in order to launch. And finally, rideshare. The number of satellites is only going up and the backlog is only increasing even among primes. So if you are a launch service provider, there is an ample number of satellites on the market you need to cover. Moving into manufacturing, it's essentially about understanding the market. There is no one size fits all solution. In in launch, there almost is, um, as we just discussed. You can have a heavy vehicle, but can also launch a lot of smaller things. Even though we are moving into standardization for manufacturing, every client is different. Every client has different needs. They have different sensibilities, different costs, uh, elasticities, and flexibilities. Understand those markets. What's happening with small geos? What's happening with software-defined satellites? Take a page out of SpaceX's book and have a firmer control and understanding of your supply chain. 2020, 2021 really revealed to us the pain points and the challenges of not having a redundant and reliable supply chain. And then finally, focus on your key value proposition. What are you bringing? What technology or what what are you bringing that's unique? Thank you, Dallas. Uh, I, I, you're right about 2020 and 21. That was an absolute eye-opener in terms of who had that resilience in the supply chain and who didn't. Um, most didn't. So, all right, final points here. And we say bottom line a lot or key takeaway from the podcast. What, what uh, parting words would you give to our audience, um, especially in competition with SpaceX? 
Yeah, I would just say we need to balance between keeping an eye on SpaceX um, in terms of don't underestimate them. If you're a manufacturer, they are entering the manufacturing market uh, with Starshield and they will begin to serve other clients commercially. So pay attention, be aware of that, make moves to uh, kind of counter that. Oh, and also at the same time, learn the lessons that they've learned. If there's ways for you to take risks um, to advance yourself forward, make partnerships. If there's ways of experimenting with your value proposition, um, there are ways to move forward and capture the remainder of the market. So pay attention to SpaceX, but also be aware there is no one size fits all. Uh, and there's lots of ground to cover. Thank you, Dallas. Uh, great comments there. We do appreciate the input. Um, so that brings us to the end of the podcast. There is more content on this topic on the Analysis Mason website. The uh, Satellite and Space Practice page on our website is greatly expanded. So do visit that, including this program, Satellite Infrastructure. Uh, also, to automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.